everyone. My name is Destiny George and welcome to my podcast. This podcast is titled Let's Unpack This. And yes, we are going to be unpacking and discussing various books in the Bible according to how it is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. Please join me today in reading one of my most favorite Psalms, Psalms 139. I pray that you find this helpful and it reveals in you an understanding of the Word of God, that it glorifies the Father and edifies the body of Christ, creating in them lovers of the Word of God and serving as nourishment to the hungry and thirsty. But most importantly, Father God, leading them to grow closer to you in direct pursuit of your good and perfect will. Amen. So before we go ahead and get into it and start unpacking this word, I want to give a little bit of context and background to the Psalms. Now, the whole entire book of Psalms is literally the best gift to us from the Lord simply because this is prayers and praise and worship um, like made and prepared for us so that and all we have to do is read it and lift it up to the Lord right well one of my favorite people in the Bible David and don't come for me here I have my reasons okay <laughs> David was a man after the Lord's own heart I'm a woman who seeks the, the heart of the Lord daily hey that's the only time we're gonna um we're going to lift him up a little bit. Any other time, we're going to lift him up in prayer, okay? <laughs> but yeah, so your boy David. So pretty much, David wrote most of the book of Psalms. And he did this like throughout his entire life, uh, from when he was a shepherd boy all the way up until he was king and um, just over Israel and everything like that. So really, really great Psalms that help you to posture your heart. And by posturing your heart, I mean centering your heart and leveling it with the word of God. So putting it on the same page and in tuned with God. And so David was able to maintain a heart posture centered towards the Lord and his will for about most of his life. And you know, like he's human like all of us, so he falls short. And so he makes a few mistakes down the way. great mistakes but you know no sin is greater than the other but (laughs) he makes some mistakes out here okay but uh yes so David writes uh he writes this song Psalms 139 and a few different translations of the um, psalm itself so if you're reading in the New Living Translation which is one of my most favorite translations um, this psalm is titled God's Complete Knowledge and Care Now, if you're in another uh, version, um, I also have another version that I like to read from, and this one is titled The All-Knowing, Ever-Present God. Uh, Both of them are good, and both of them, they match, and they are in alignment with what exactly what this psalm uh, provides us. Um, So let's just, let's get into it. Psalms. 139 verse 1 says this, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me 
You have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how difficult your thoughts are for me to comprehend, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Ooh, that was so good. Ah. All right, so let's just get into it. I'm excited. Verses one through four, I believe David really sets the tone. I want to say he reveals the characteristics of the intimate relationship in these verses, like that he has with God. And it's like he's inviting us into the secret place where he and God meets daily. He says things like, um, you've searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before I even speak a word on my tongue, you know what I'm about to say. Like, to me, that just, that is, that is the epitome of intimacy. And so let's talk about intimacy for a moment. Um, what exactly is um, intimacy or to be intimate? So the quickest definition I can give you is um, a close familiarity or friendship. So a lot of times when we hear intimacy, we hear it in a sexual manner, but that's not the only form of intimacy. So um, David really invites us into his relationship that he has with God, and he reveals to us just how closely he knows the Lord. And so I think that's one of the most amazing things that I just want to go ahead and point out. The best way I can describe that relationship, um, if you ever had like a best friend or a sibling that you grew up with and you're really, really close with, or even like a spouse, like your husband, your wife kind of thing. And I say it's very intimate, like um, a marriage, because when I think about these verses, I can vividly picture examples of what this looks like in my marriage. You know, um, 
You guys ever heard like that kind of like pillow talk kind of thing that couples do? Well, I think it really originates from one couple not being able to sleep and the other one very being very sleepy. And so one person is like, yeah, let me run through my day with you and just tell you everything that's in my heart and just blah, 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 because I can't sleep. And the other person's like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, um, I hear you. Yep, mm mm-hmm, yep. (laughs) Have a sleep, right? And so um, I can picture that kind of thing because, hey, that's what I do. Like, I'm one of those night thinkers. Like, I got to I gotta unpack my day. And so I try to help my husband out by unpacking my day with the Lord before I get ready to go to sleep. And I just want to talk his ear off, you know. I got to let this man rest, right? <laughs> but yeah, so that's the best way I can describe it. Like, you've ever been so close with someone before and, like, you've told them all the things of your heart? Those of you that are, like, married or have siblings and or have best friends you're familiar with this feeling like you bear your heart to people that you have deemed safe that people you spend a lot of time with and that they just are comforting to your spirit you're able to tell them things and you tell them your darkest humors and you tell them like your darkest thoughts your fears and things of that nature and that's kind of what David reflects here that's what he is showing here that God knows him so well that he's bared even those darkest thoughts to him he's given those to God and he's revealed those to him and he hasn't hidden himself in those times where he has this awareness of God. And so for some reason, like knowing that you are bonded by something deeper than a small connection, like, you know, you have those fleeting connections with someone, but like when you're married to someone or you have a sibling or like your best friend, you've known them for ages. It's like you have like a deep connection, like a very deep bond with them. It creates this vulnerableness between you where you just tell them everything. You can confide in them. But I see that a lot of that in the way that David talks about this in the first four verses. He says things like when I sit down and when I stand up and I can immediately picture like if I have to leave the room or something for anything and I'm just like my husband like, hey, I'll be back. I'm going to go do this, do this or whatever. And um, just to like to let him know what, what I'm doing. Like, And so like you can see that David, he really just unpacks that closeness and he invites us in to see that's how close he is with God. And honestly, that's something that I desire. I want God to know when I'm getting ready to roll my eyes at somebody that's being rude to me before I do it. The Holy Spirit is like, no, ma'am, don't do that. <laughs> And so I think that's so good that he's that in tune with God and the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, you see the awareness that David has of God and how much God cares. It's titled God's Complete Knowledge and Care. And I definitely believe like verse 5 is just like that introduction into David communicating the awareness that he has of just how much God cares for him. Once you have an awareness of how much God cares for you, you move differently, you act differently, you speak differently. In verse 5, one of the translations says, you have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. So what does it mean to be encircled? One thing that I can think of immediately, being covered. Man, as a daughter of the Most High, I feel like I'm always constantly asking to be covered. I'm a very emotional being. As a woman, I'm very emotional. There are a lot of things that I desire to be covered from. Um, the attacks of the enemy, people that may wish to harm you, uh, situations and circumstances that, uh, you know, take a toll on you and things of that nature. And so to be encircled, to be enveloped by the love of God, it gives you this sense of protection that you're cared for by the Father. Oh, it's, it's so comforting. It's so good. David hints at this in verse 5, for sure, saying, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. When he said this, 
And ladies, hear me out here. You ever been having like a hard day and your significant other just like gives you like a forehead kiss? And like it's something so sweet and so soft and gentle and it's meant to be comforting. Like you feel that love for sure. I know that's how I feel. But uh, it just shows like how David is aware of how close the father draws near to him and watches over him. And it is there where David reveals just how overwhelming the knowledge of how God tends to him exceeds his understanding. It's like it blows his mind how much God cares for him and same David same <laughs> I've literally been seeing the faithfulness of God being displayed throughout my life in family situations work situations the way he's working things out in my favor and he's given me wisdom and understanding concerning the ways that he is providing for me and going before me in any situation of my life and it's like I'm just blown away and it's like I'm not surprised but I'm amazed at just how much God cares. I don't think I had this knowledge or this awareness of how much God cared for me when I first started out on my journey of walking with God. It was like something didn't click right away. And I feel like that is common for a lot of new believers. Like they know that Jesus died on the cross for them, but it's like they don't have this understanding yet of how much God cares for you. And I think that the introduction to knowing how much God cares for you is by knowing that there is a holy God who sits high and he looks down low, but he does not criticize and judge you and condemn you. There's a God that's sitting high, looking down low, who's holy, seeing you in all of your sins. And he is desiring to know you and wanting you to come out of your sin, wanting you to rise above all of the things that hold you down and have a relationship with him again. He allows his one and only son to sacrifice his holy life for the sake of our sins so that we would no longer have to bear the weight of our mistakes to know that someone out there loved me that much before I even fully had an awareness of how much love he had for me it blows my mind <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing but I think that is the introduction like if you can come to understand that important fact about God is that he loved you and he didn't just look at you struggling in your sin laugh and joke he's like beloved I made you in my image because of sin you cannot be close to me my son is going to bear the way of your mistakes not just yours but the same people that hurt you he's gonna bear the sins of the whole entire world so that you can be reconciled back to me so that you can know me again and I think that there's no better declaration of love than that. So in verse 7, David details how he can never escape the Spirit of God, meaning he can never get away from him. God's presence follows him everywhere he goes. And let's talk about that. I can speak as a testament of when I was a child, I, I remember having this thought that God's watching me. And so I would always be fearful when I did bad things. And I would always be afraid that he's seen me do a bad thing. He's seen me say a bad word, whatever the case may be. In verse 7, David is saying, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? David knows that no matter what he does, no matter where he goes, the Spirit of God is with him. I now have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit and how I'm able to communicate with God because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. The Holy Spirit, yes, he holds you accountable. He's going to help you to remain in alignment with the Word of God. He's going to move you into great will of God. You have to lean into the Spirit. You have to surrender into the Spirit to be guided by the Spirit. I can't remember exactly where it is in the Bible, but it talks about not stifling the spirit. Well, what do you do when you stifle something? You put it out, you suppress it, right? And so a lot of times 
what you find in this day and age is Christians who don't have the spiritual maturity just yet. They're very new in their walks with God. They're not moving like they have an awareness that the Spirit is dwelling inside of them. And that's simply just because you're new in your faith. When you are walking in the Spirit and you are new, it is so important to get grounded in the Word of God. You have to develop that understanding of knowing when the Spirit is guiding you, when He is moving you, when He is ushering you to, to do something or say something that is in alignment with the Word of God. And so you have to learn how to bend your ear. One term that I love to say is tuning your ear towards the Spirit. When I was in my early days of walking with Christ, I didn't exactly understand what it meant for the Spirit to be speaking to me or ministering to me through the Word of God, but it takes consistent work. You have to consistently read the Word of God. You have to consistently come under agreement with the Word of God. And the moment that you hear the Spirit, you need to pray. You need to put it in alignment with the Word of God. You will need discernment. It'll be difficult to discern between your thoughts, the lies of the enemy, and the truth of the Holy Spirit. And so the Word of God, the Bible, is going to be that lens that helps you discern between what is me and my insecurity and my ambitious motive? What is the lies of the enemy spoken to keep me weighed down and to pull me off the path of the will of God? And what is the truth that is meant to convict me and lead me in the ways of everlasting righteousness. As you get more versed in your walk, you'll be able to understand that and be more in tune with the Spirit of God. And that's the sweet spot when you can have an understanding and know that the Holy Spirit said, do this, or the Holy Spirit is calling me here. The Holy Spirit is leading me to pray over you kind of thing. Verses 8 through 12, let's talk about that. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in show, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. David is really just talking about all the places that he can go and the things that he can do, but none of these will compare or will matter because he will always be able to see the evidence of God's love for him. Let's just talk about that. This man is like, if I go up into the light, if I go into the darkness, it does not matter. You are there. I want to kind of share a little bit of my testimony. I came into an awareness of just how much I cannot escape the love of God. To know that God is for you just like a parent is for you and wants to see you succeed and do good in life. Your father in heaven is for you and he's even better than your earthly parents, right? I've seen this to be true. There was a time in my life where I was not close to God. This time was brief, but from the time I turned 18 to the age of 21, I was searching for something in the world that it did not have. I came with a lot of hurt and pain and trauma. All of that time that I spent in the world, it did a number on me and it left me even more depressed and anxious when I say that I can understand heavily if the darkness will hide me and the light is around me even if I'm in the dark the light of the love of God will surround me and I felt that when I was in the most darkest parts of my life I felt like I lost everything at the age of 21 I felt like I'd lived my whole entire life and ruined it <laughs> in the span of three years but God right and so in that time Jesus was there I didn't know it at the time but he seen me and he didn't just see me he was with me recently I was watching The Chosen and I just started watching it and I know I'm late to the game but there was a part that really just 
wrecked me and it really resonated with me so deeply. When Nathaniel was being introduced to Jesus, when he first sees Nathaniel, he's like, hey, this is a true son of Israel. And this guy is like, what'd you tell him about me? Like, and he's like confused. And Jesus was like, I saw you when you were under the tree. I don't know if anybody else had this moment of like, oh my gosh, that is what he meant. You read in the gospel all the time when Jesus was calling the apostles and he first introduced himself to him, he said, I seen you when you were under the tree. And I finally understood what that verse meant. Nathaniel was in a really, really tough time of his life. He lost vision. He lost hope. He sat underneath this fig tree. He was depressed and he was anxious because he felt like he failed. He even burned his plans that he made to build a temple, letting God know, I wanted to do this for you and I failed. Are you here? Do you even see me? And at the time, he didn't receive a response from God. He just assumed that God did not hear him. The next couple of days of his life, he was in his home, depressed, anxious. His friend, Philip, went and got him and was telling him about Jesus, telling him that the Messiah came, finally convinced him to meet Jesus. And it was in that moment, Nathaniel was able to understand and have an awareness that Jesus is the Messiah. The thing that wrecked me when Jesus said, I was with you in the most toughest time of your life, I wept like a child. It wasn't until years after I'd given my life to Christ in the toughest time of my life, I prayed for all these different things and I was surrendered to him and I was like, God, I call you back into my life. Jesus asked you to deliver me and help me. It was not until a year later I was living and I was actually walking in the prayers that I'd asked God for the night that I was on the ground crying out to him. The Holy Spirit told me I was there. I knew I was there and I, I wasn't just watching you, but I was with you and I cried with you. Oh, just it's so good to have that awareness of just how much he's with you in these times. And so, yeah, so verses 13 through 16 are very, very interesting. David uncovers the mysteries of conception by revealing that it is indeed the father who made him and knit him together in his mother's womb. And it is in this moment that David shows gratitude to God for making him everything that he is. After I was reading this, I thought about the story of Job. And you know how Job, he was going through, you know, like loss after loss. And Job is, he's talking about how he wished he'd never been born. It kind of showed me a contrast. And you know, David had his moments too of lamenting. It just showed me this stark contrast of, I believe the knowledge that David shows that he has of his relationship with God, of intimately knowing him, that he can praise God for his workmanship, for creating a masterpiece, creating David himself. So it made me wonder, like, could the difference between these two individuals be that David knew of the Lord intimately and and praised and sought God even in the midst of trials and not saying that Job did not but just saying that there was a time that Job he knew of the Lord but I don't think he was consulting the Lord in the midst of his trial. One thing that draws the line between these two individuals is that in the midst of David's trial he's not afraid to cry to God. I think that was the only difference between Job and David was that David he says where was you who created my inward part? You knit me together in my mother's womb. How was David to know that even before he was born, before he was conceived, and even that he was thought of, that God was there and God knew him if God did not reveal that to him. I don't know what God was talking to David about in the secret place. I've been there talking with the Lord where he revealed to me things that he'd intended for me. It wasn't until I got older that I had an understanding of what his intentions for my life was, what his plans for my life was. And so yeah, David was in the secret place with the Most High daily. And I think that is something that we can definitely take a note from his book in. And so 
one thing that I love to highlight is David details the omniscience of God. Who else but the true creator can watch as a child is being woven together in the womb than the most high God? Like, who else? I don't care how good technology gets. The Lord, he knew you. And that's how deeply he knew you. And that's a testament to just how intently he cares for you. And so for David to know the extent to which God knew him before he was even born, David knew that every moment of his life was laid out by God before a single day of his life had even passed. Meaning that David knows that before he was even thought of, God had a purpose for his life. In these verses, he acknowledges this same notion by saying how precious these thoughts and the knowledge that God had regarding David's whole existence. He says this, that it's precious to him. God's thoughts are precious to him. David valued God's plans and will for his life. After he received this understanding, he valued God's plans. That means that if I know that the Most High God knew each day of my life before a day of my life had even passed, so God, you have this mighty understanding. That means that I'm going to submit to your will and your plans that you have for me. That means that yes, I may have ambitions, I may have desires, I may have thoughts, but I'm going to surrender those to what you have planned for my life. And it's easy to say, but it's harder to do. But I can say that I believe that David, he is a really great example of um, someone who was able to surrender his desires and his wills to the will of God. After like understanding this, it made me ask, could it be that someone is still fighting God over the plans that he's already predetermined for your life? Because you don't yet understand just how much the Lord knows and loves you. And if you don't understand by now, stop fighting the one who knows and loves you and predetermined every day of your life for control over your life. If you've decided to give your life to Jesus, submit your plans and your desires to him. He is trustworthy. It's up to God to know and to predetermine what he has in store for you. So trust in him. He's safe and he's tender towards you. He's very patient. Also, one thing that I noticed in this psalm as well is that David details that God's thoughts are so numerous that they cannot be counted, that they even outnumber the grains of sand. Do you know all of the thoughts that the Father has of you? Literally, like, do you know all of the thoughts that the Father has of you? I'm talking about the, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope in the future and not for disaster. The thoughts that I go before you, the thoughts that I chose you and you were made in my image, like these thoughts. If you are not familiar with God's thoughts towards you, Please get familiar with him. Please get familiar with the word of God and what God says about you and to you. These verses are going to be the foundation that you use to not only build yourself up in the knowledge of how much God loves you, but also these verses is going to be the, the weapons, the sword and the shield that you need to fight the lies of the enemy. Man, I'm one of those people that are very aware of just how much the enemy loves to keep people ignorant of the love of God. He does not want any of us to know the love of God. He does not want us to know how much that God loves us because he's jealous. Sorry, I'm gonna get off my horse in a little bit, but I gotta say this. Who are you to think that you deserve the glory above God? I'm saying that for myself too, because sometimes we gotta humble ourselves. You know, we start doing things for God and, and God start using us and partnering with us. And we start thinking that we deserve glory. Let's stay on track. But do you know all the thoughts that the Father has of you? And if you do not, 
Let this be homework number one. Go find out what the Lord says about you. I want to talk about the last few verses and I'm going to close with some application steps to really get into it. The last two verses, Psalms 23 and 24 says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. In these verses, David Ask of the Lord to search him and know his heart. Test him and know his anxious thoughts. It is in this prayer and supplication that David reveals his true heart posture. David desires only the things that are pleasing and good to the Father. And this is how I know this, okay? And we're going to fact check this. He gives God permission to examine him. Let me tell you something. If you are not Daily allowing God and the Holy Spirit to examine what is in your heart and what is on your mind. I'm going to be real here. Every day that we live in this world, we adopt things like the culture, turns, lies of the enemy. There's a lot of influence. And so you have to constantly have your heart examined through the lens of the Bible and allow the Holy Spirit to pick apart things in your heart and in your mind that is not in alignment with the word of God. We have to actively be doing this. So David gives God permission to examine him. He says, test his mind to ensure that it falls into submission of the will of God. A lot of us don't even want to be tested by God, but it shows a true maturity, a true understanding that God is your friend and he loves you and he cares for you. And so he's not going to try to harm you intentionally when he examines you. And especially when he tests you, he does not mean to harm you, but he wants to grow you. He wants to build you up in your faith and in your understanding of who he is and how much he cares for you. And so David openly invites God to test him. David wants to know and ensure that he falls into submission of the will of God. And that is my goal every day of my life. I want to make sure that I fall into full submission of the will of God. I don't ever want to be outside of it. There's a few things that um, I think that we can apply in our lives here that will really help us grow. I want this to be something that you can use to take with you throughout the week to feed you and to keep you encouraged and to build you up and challenge you in your faith. The first saying allow God to examine your heart that's it (laughs) confess and share your sin to God and when you do this you are allowing God to examine your heart even if there's something that you don't believe is sinful just say it God I've had thoughts of if you're really going to come through on your promises allow your confession to free you from the weight and from a foothold of the enemy to attack you as well you want to make sure that you have a clean heart so you want to reveal everything that you wish to keep hidden to the most high because if you are hiding it from God you are hiding from God okay? And you do not want to allow anything, any sin to put you at a distance from God because if you are distant from God but you've called God into your life, that means that you are not working your faith and also you are allowing there to be space, time, and opportunity for the enemy to come and attack you and that is the most dangerous place that you could ever be is distant from God. Share everything and reveal everything to God that you have hidden and you can do this by speaking to God directly 
concerning the things that you hold in your heart. Now, one of my favorite ways to do this, I like to journal. I will write out everything. If I just want to tell him how my day has been going or some thoughts that I've been thinking lately, I want him to be in the know of everything that is going on with me. God already knows what you have going on, but there are things that you can try to keep from God. That's why I talked about if you are hiding it from God, you are hiding from God. The best example we can see of this is in the garden after Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit. When God arrived in the garden, he called for them and they were hiding. God knew that they had eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but they hid from God. Like they hid from him. They put clothes on him because they did not want God to see them. They didn't want to see each other. When you cannot be vulnerable with anybody else, you should always be vulnerable with God. He should always be able to see you. You should be able to bear everything that you have knowing that he is a safe place, a safe person that you can confide in. And another way that you can actively reveal the things that you hidden in your heart is to confess it to a spiritual leader or in your life group. For those of you that are comfortable with that. Um, next, allow God to test your anxious thoughts against the word of God. David asked for God to test him. And so more often than not, I can always find an anxious thought that I have to take captive and submit it to God. One thing that I have found is when I have an anxious thought, I immediately confess it to God. I show it to God, but I also ask God to test me concerning that anxious thought. When you want to build up your faith in God, you want to allow God to test your anxious thought. If it didn't come from me, it came from the enemy. Mm -mm. First and foremost, I need to test that anxious thought against the word of God. What does God say about these things? Looking for the truth to combat that anxious thought. What does the word of God say about your fear? What does the word of God say about the things that you're anxious about? So that is something that you need to ask yourself when you're wanting God to test your anxious thought. You want to look for verses that you can use to keep you grounded in truth. I myself, I have a few verses that I use to keep me grounded in truth. One of them is, do not be afraid for I am with you. You. Do not be anxious for I am your God. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand or with my righteous right hand. I definitely love to hear some of your favorite verses that you use to um, keep you grounded. The next point of application, give the Holy Spirit permission to reveal any part of your life that offends God. Give the Holy Spirit permission to reveal any part of your life that offends God. I'm going to say it one last time. Give the Holy Spirit permission to reveal any part of your life that offends God. Any sin or unrighteous living. Now, this definitely does fall in alignment with allow God to examine your heart. You have to actually apply it. So it's one thing to allow God to show you what he sees in your heart. It's another thing to allow Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you and you receive it and then you actively practice allowing the Holy Spirit to remove anything that does not glorify God that he sees in you, right? To do this, you need to ask God to reveal through the Holy Spirit any unchecked sin. That means anything that you do that is sin that you do not know that is sin. There are things that you know are sins, but what are you doing in your life that is causing you to unknowingly sin against God? There are some things that we know that are sinful, right? 
right? Like not to steal, kill, commit adultery, lie, gossip, right? But what are the things that you are doing in your life that is causing you to unknowingly sin against God? You know, it is there and you're not knowing. That is where you can do the most harm. That's why it's important to read the word of God daily. The word of God is living and breathing meaning. It's going to reveal something in you that you did not know before or previously. And that's because the word of God it examines your heart to ensure that you are falling in alignment with the will of God. And so you want to read your word. That is how you'll allow God to reveal to you what he sees when he examines your heart. Now, the last point, allow God to lead you along the path to everlasting life. Now, this was a prayer and I say this prayer all the time. It's one of my most favorite prayers to say what does it mean to allow God to lead you to the path of everlasting life? This means let the Holy Spirit lead you in truth. So using the word of God, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into making decisions that glorify God. When you walk on the path to everlasting righteousness, the path itself, it's very narrow, meaning one wrong step or one wrong turn can cause you to be pivoted out of the will of God. And wouldn't the enemy love to see you outside of the will of God, right? So it's it's important to measure your actions against the word of God. That means anything that you say, your motivations, your pursuits, your ambitions, your characteristics, whatever may cause you to turn away from the will of God needs to be submitted to the Holy Spirit to come under full obedience of God. You need to submit all that you are under the full obedience of God. What do I mean by this? Let's say you've always desired marriage. Well, does your action that you've taken to find a husband or wife do those actions align with the word of God? In your pursuits to find a husband and wife, have your actions aligned with the word of God? Next, is there an area of your faith that you are compromising to meet that desire? So is there something that you are doing so that you can find your husband or your wife on your own versus letting and allowing God to lead you to your husband and wife? Are you doing something that is compromising your faith? Are you getting upset when you find a handsome man or a beautiful woman? Are you upset when they turn out to not be your godly wife and your godly husband? Is that affecting your relationship with God? Are they compromising your faith so that you can meet a desire? Are you anxious for that desire? Do you think about it daily? Are you um, meditating on this? Are you constantly thinking about ways and scheming and planning on how to find the right man or woman? Do you wear a certain thing to catch your husband's attention? <laughs> Come on, ladies. Do you meditate more on your godly marriage than on God himself? These are some heavy questions, but these are some questions that you definitely need to ask. Are you submitting your desires, wants? Are you submitting these under the full obedience of God? And the reason why I say that this is important is because these desires, they can lead you astray from the will of God. They can cause you to avert from the paths that God has set before you. This happens often. Let's say um, you find a person that you really, really like and you care about. And let's say God is saying, he's, he's telling you, he's like, no, this person is not for you and you invest your time and energy and effort and heart into that person anyway what you've just done is you've chosen a potential husband and you've refused the warning from the holy spirit or the lord to leave that man or woman alone and 
what you've done is you put a rift in your relationship with God for that person. And you've done this just to find your wife or your husband. And that is not submission, my friend. That is idolatry. You are idolizing marriage or the thought of marriage. You are committing the sin of idolatry when you are putting things higher than God and you are not submitting yourself to God. So allow God to lead you along the path to everlasting life and letting the Holy Spirit lead you. That means that you are submitting all that you are for God. The moment that you have an awareness of just how greatly the Most High God loves you is the moment you start to walk in the will of God. To partner with God is not a 50-50 relationship. Let's be clear about this. You don't just say, oh God, I'm going to consult you on this and then I'm going to do whatever I want to do on this. There's none of that. It's 100% trusting God to care for you. And so when you have this understanding and this awareness like David does, there is no room for you to be making moves on your own and not consulting the Father. Not saying that you just stop making decisions altogether, but you actually ask God what is his will for your life and plot twist, you actually wait for him to respond. (laughs) You need to ask God what is his will concerning your life and actually wait and pray and allow him to reveal his desire for you. And I've talked about this before, but if you're having a hard time understanding the will of God, you've got too much interference and that may be a good time for you to fast and remove any influence that you may have that is speaking louder than God. And so yes, to partner with God, it's not a 50-50 relationship. It's 100% you are allowing God to use you and to care for you. And so you come under full submission of everything that you are and everything that you have. Your tongue moves only at the will of God. Your hands work only according to the will of God. Let's talk about this. When I say your tongue needs to move only according to the will of God, that means that the things that you are speaking, the things that you are saying, they need to be things that glorify God. I say this and I emphasize this a lot because if you are in any position, any platform where you have influence over any single person, you need to make sure that your tongue is being actively submitted to the will of God. That means that, and what does the Bible say? That tongue is the hardest thing to tame. But if you are reading the word of God, and you are actively speaking the word of God daily, there's going to come a time where it becomes like nature to speak the will of God over people's lives. You're just have a conversation and you automatically speak something that evokes the Holy Spirit because you are submitting to the Holy Spirit. If you are submitting to him, the words that you are speaking comes into alignment with the word of God. That's what I mean by your tongue is moving only at the will of God. Now your hands, they are working only according to the will of God. This means that anything that you are doing, any action, this could be like your word serving the community, anything that you are doing, it needs to be at the will of God. That means Christians, we are not pursuing worldly things and compromising for these worldly things. As I shared my testimony earlier, that's what I did. I compromised the will that God had for my life for worldly things and I got the fruit that those worldly things produce and it wasn't sweet. I recently tried persimmons and I found that they're really sweet and delicious. And so I would love for my fruit that I grow on my tree in the kingdom of God to be a persimmon tree. 
I'd love for that fruit to be good. So whatever seeds that you sow, whatever you're putting time, energy, effort, money. Come on now, Christians. What are we investing in financially? If you don't give tithes regularly to your church and to ministries, but you are constantly investing in your closet, um, I'm speaking to somebody, mostly myself. And so let's talk about these things that I've mentioned. People, they'll hear this and they'll say, this sounds like oppression. This sounds like I'm being controlled. You were intended to glorify God in every way possible. It was sin that caused us to advert from the will of God. Now that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, we want to get back to the true intentions of the Father. And though we're going to fall short, we want to actively try to attain that holiness that God calls us to display throughout our time on this world. You are giving back to him what he's given to you. We are called to be stewards. Even this earthly vessel, it is going to return to the earth, but our spirits belong with God. God is meant to dwell within us. And so everything that God has given you, your finances, your house, your car, your ministries, all of these things, they belong to God. You are called to steward them in a way that glorifies God. It is your purpose, your calling. God has a purpose for each and every single person. When we get back to that initial revelation that David has, uh, you knew every day of my life before a full day had passed. We are getting back to God and his will for us. We are submitting ourselves to God. Everything that he has given to you, you want to give him free reign to move and to work and to speak through every single area of your life. You want to give him permission to do that. And I don't know about you guys, but I've tried working my God-given gifts outside of the will of God. Let me tell you something. The result is not good. God, he gives you a purpose. He gives you a calling. And what I found to be common in Christians, and especially in my own experiences, too often we get comfortable trying to work our spiritual gifts, our calling, the purpose that God has given us, the design that he had for us. We try to work it outside of God. We want to do what God told us to do, but we want to do it our way. And that's not how it works. God calls us to do it in a way that we don't always understand. Like David says, this is beyond me, right? So there are certain things that God has called you to do according to his perfect will that is beyond even your knowledge and understanding. And it is not until you submit yourself to God that you will see it happen according to his perfect will. And yes, his will is perfect. It is only when we are control of it 100% and only consulting God for the small parts that it becomes no longer perfect. So if you want to see the perfect will of God happen and be displayed over your life, you need to actually allow God to display it. Let him use you. And so that is what it is. And so um, you're just giving the rights back to God that he has lent to you. And when you freely submit those things like your finances, your heart, your time, you don't just receive the benefits, but you get interest on your investment. You find out that on the other side of your obedience is so much favor and blessing. I have one great example of that. Since I started working, I always worked in sales. My path to pursue sales was fine, but the moment that I realized that God had a different purpose for my life and I started to grow closer with God and I started to learn 
what submitting everything that I am to God was, God was calling me to a path that was centered on reconciling the hearts of his people to him. But I was in sale. And so you're trying to sell cell phones and then you realize maybe um, there's something God has bigger for me. Maybe he's been trying to tell me that I'm trying to work my gifts in an area that is no longer fruitful for the purpose of my life. Yeah, the money's good, but maybe I should leave this field and pursue what God has for me. The moment that I finally left the sales field and pursued what God had for me, when I tell you I was so used to being opposed on every side because I was in the wrong place, I was pursuing money, I was compromising my happiness, my fulfillment that I received from actually speaking about God daily to people. I couldn't do that freely in the environments that I was in. I went from a hostile environment to an environment where I was highly favored and I received love not just from other people but I received the love of God and I received direction. God wasn't using his goodness and his faithfulness to sustain me in a place that I was not meant to be in anymore. He was now full on using his good and perfect will to just bless me because I submitted my desire to have really great finances. The call to serve in nonprofit organizations working with children, which I so passionately love to do. The moment that I found that passion again, it's like God built on top of it. And I'm like, God, you mean to tell me that I could get paid to do something that I would do for free? That is how good it is to be in the will of God. That's my experience with trusting in the Lord. But I encourage you, let God manage your finances and trust him with your life. One thing that I also want to talk about as well, um, allow your mouth and the words that you say to only speak life and not death. You find that you're a gifted encourager or an intercessor the moment that you submit your mouth to the will of God. So I've seen too many times where people who are very loud, they're very loud about their complaints, they're very loud about their unhappiness, but the moment that they submit themselves to only speaking life and building up people, speaking the will of God, they find that they're encouragers, they're very gifted encouragers. They have the ability to speak life into someone and provide vision and insight to someone. You can instill hope. The only thing that was different was that you weren't your gift of being vocal, influencing people. You worked that gift in submission to the Spirit. Now you find out that you're gifted intercessor. You can intercede on the behalf of the Lord's people. One thing that you can submit, you can submit your ears to only listen to the praises of God, pay attention to things that only glorify God, entertain conversations that is grounded in the Word of God, that are biblically oriented. Only allow people that are biblically grounded to pour into you, and you only allow the Word of God and the songs of God to penetrate your ears and reach your heart. You get the benefit of listening to things that glorify the Father. But now you only sing praises to the Most High. And when you're low and your spirit is feeling heavy or you're struggling to find joy, you've mastered having a heart of gratitude because you only listen to things that glorify God. So now you can combat the stress that you're feeling, the worry that you're feeling in the midst of a hard situation. You can have a heart of gratitude towards God, even through the worst situations. You've built spiritual maturity and you have strength now. You can bear much more now than you could have previously. You've changed what you allow your ears to listen to. And so there's a spiritual gift in that. When you start to hear the lies of the enemy and he tries to speak these lies over you, you realize that it doesn't sound like the sweet words of the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth. Now you can discern the voice of your father. You can identify what God is speaking over you versus what the enemy is speaking over you. So now when 
you have an anxious thought, I know that didn't come from my father. The father's promises for me are this, that he has plans to give me a hope in the future. And that does not sound like plans to give me a hope in the future. That sounds like the enemy. You can rebuke the enemy in those moments. And so ask yourself, and I want to talk about this. We often wonder why people have multiple gifts of the spirit. And the reason why is because they've submitted a part of themselves to the father and they've gained interest. They were good at something. They were talented at something and they used whatever that was that the father had gifted them. They used it in submission to the Holy Spirit. And now you have a spiritual gift that can be worked to further the kingdom of God. And what you see is those people, they are actively putting those gifts to work. So people are able to maintain multiple gifts. Each gift that they have, they've submitted it to the father. And so now you got a pastor, author, singer, worship leader. You got all of these things in one. They are working each and every single gift. They're submitting it to the father into submission of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what it is. You want to know how to go from being a believer to a follower? You give up your life. You submit your life to God. You truly give it up. You want to live a disciplined life of actively submitting everything that you are to God. Whatever you do in your life that holds weight in your heart, whatever you love, your first challenge is to part from it. Can you deny yourself the gratification of these things for God? And that's really what it is. When you submit to God, yes, you have these desires and yes, you have these thoughts and these dreams these hopes. We're not telling you to abandon these things because some of these are God-given desires that he's going to fulfill in a different time of your life. But a lot of times we are one-track minded. So the moment that we get a desire, we're focused on only that. And God is saying, hey, I'm giving you that desire, but it's for a different time. And this time I want you here. I want you focused on this. What you're doing is you want to actively practice living a disciplined life of denying yourself the gratification in hopes to glorify God. So how can I submit my myself to God. Submit something that I hold deeply in my heart. Don't judge me. I'm just going to tell you one thing. I love me some K-dramas, but recently God has called me to deny myself the gratification of watching these for a full year. Deny myself the immediate gratification of watching these and pursue his will and see what he does in my life. If you're like me, you have some things that you know that you can do better in, and I'm always looking to grow in my faith, and God meets me there in that desire. He's like, okay, you want to grow? Leave that alone for a year. Focus only on me and see what I can do, what I can improve in you. Um, I accepted that challenge. I want to see what God does in my life in the year that I give up Korean dramas. If the past few months is any indication of what he has in store, he's doing his thing. And so I'm excited for the next few months of fasting to see what he does. You want to go from just being a believer to being an actual follower of Christ. You want to give up your life and truly give it up. So living a disciplined life. So whatever you do in your life that holds weight in your heart, I want to challenge you to allow God to test you in it. Can you deny yourself the gratification of these things for God? Here's one last thing I want to leave you with. This life isn't meant to be comfortable. You should be exercising your faith daily. That means working on your faith, putting it to the test, building up your endurance, challenging yourself to seek God in newer ways and in different areas of your life. If who God has been to you has been the same God you knew him to be when you were younger, let me tell you something. Our knowledge of God should always grow. You were intended to experience God in every way possible. So why do you think David says, 
How precious are your thoughts about me? Oh God, they cannot be numbered. God is not just thinking one thought about you. He knew you when you were 5, 15, 25, 35, and 50. He knew a different part of you in each of those years of your life. If you only know of God the one time during Encounter Weekend, he heard your cry and answered it, and you knew of him to be El Shaddai because he is all-knowing, and you knew you were struggling with depression, but you don't know him as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals when you are battling kidney disease at 53, that means you've stopped seeking him as intently as you once did and you need to return. We are not called to only know one characteristic of God. There are a vast number of characteristics of God that we are able to know through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so God, he is constantly revealing to us who he is. Each season of your life, he's going to reveal to you a new characteristic of himself. If you allow him to. Some of the ways I've known God is in my healing phase, I knew him to be tender and merciful. I knew him to be kind and slow to anger. In my phase of learning who God is, I learned that he is full of love. He is unapologetic in the love that he's given you. I learned who he's called me to be. He made me fearfully and wonderfully made and chose me to be set apart. And so we learned these different characteristics of God and all these different names of God. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh. And so it's important that you are growing at each step, each stage, each season of your life, knowing a new characteristic of the Lord the Most High. Surely your thoughts of God can be more than one. I definitely want to encourage you in that. And so if you want more of God, you need to submit more of yourself to him. You need to follow him and take up your cross and put yourself under full submission and vow to not withhold another second of your day from him. And then you will know that it is one name, but in that name, there is a healer, a savior, a deliverer, a provider, a way maker, a miracle worker. Come on now, we know the song. There is a part of God that you haven't experienced yet. So don't get to the end of your life and meet Jesus and look back at all the things God desired to do through you, but could not because you weren't comfortable with following him fully and you were just comfortable with believing in him. And yes, it's great to believe in God. God is the author and perfecter of our faith. There is so much more when you surpass that stage of believing. You need to have a knowledge and awareness of God and just how much he cares for you. pray that you are able to receive something from this. I pray that you're able to ask yourself these questions and really just give thought into who God is to you and your awareness that you have of him. Who do you know God to be? Let me know. Comment. Who is God to you in this season of your life? I would love to hear who he is to you. I think there's something beautiful in knowing a part of God in every stage of life. I pray that this has blessed you immensely. I hope to see you in the next episode. Many blessings. Many blessings.